Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. My guest today is Nathan. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and thanks for having me again. Today's topic, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the 2000 live action film. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. I've got to be honest, this one was a bit of a stretch. This is Sounds Like Comics. We talk about comic adaptions, but if I'm honest, I wanted to review a Christmas film. This one is a little bit of a stretch, but I'll get it out of the way early. The Grinch not only exists in Marvel Comics, but fought Thor in 1992. The adventure starts out with Thor, aka Eric Masterson, patrolling, and he soon runs into a giant dude stealing presents from people. On the street. And a, a giant green dude, should I say. It was the Grinch. So the Grinch exists in Marvel Comics, but that's where the connection to comic books ends. But this is a fun movie to talk about. I'm sure we've seen it more times than we can remember. But this version of the Grinch, is it a favorite of yours? It was, to be honest with you, um, that viewing that we did for the pod was my very first time watching it. Um, I had not seen it previously. I knew of it, I knew of its existence. Uh, I was very well aware of it, but I'd never actually, had, you know, invested the time to sit down and watch the thing. So this was my first time doing that. Wow. So you can literally remember the amount of times that you've seen it. I can't. I'm talking <laughs> 10 plus times. Yeah. Watched I, it, mean, I watched it at the movies. Watched it many times on DVD. It's streaming. I think most recently I watched it on Netflix. When this came out 23 years ago, I had collectibles. And I've got to be honest, the reason why, it was more me being a fan of Jim Carrey than The Grinch. That's this it. That's live it. Action, yeah. This live action movie was my introduction to The Grinch. Now, I know you know, the book's been around since 1957. There was a animated TV special in 1966. So those you know versions do exist. But for me, it started with this film. And in the UK, it was simply titled The Grinch. I mean, it's hard to believe that it's been 20 years since that film. Um, it really doesn't feel like it. And having watched it for the first time myself the other night, it just doesn't like, you just can't believe it's been 20 years. Well, more, 23 years. So two years yeah. away from its 25th anniversary. So yeah, this movie has been around for a very long time. And then other Dr. Zeus mm -hmm. adaptions in 2003, they did... The Cat in the Hat with Mike right. Myers. So That's I'm going right. to guess that you haven't seen that one either. Have you seen that? I have. I, I oh, did you see have? that one. Wow. I, I caught that one by happenstance on TV. The the bit where he's playing a salesman on TV, you know, where they're trying to like sell like, hey, we've got this new technology. It's, you know, that kind of thing. What, what's that called? Info, yeah. Not an infomercial, but whatever that is. It's hilarious. Like it is generally hilarious. You know, Mike Myers, right. what he's doing. In that, and is then there's been like there's been heaps of animated ones as well, like Horton Hears a yeah, Who, like Jim Carrey is in that, Steve Carell. I think they did the Lorax as well, but that was CGI. Yeah, that uh, animated. But yeah, you're right, like um, like Shrek, Pixar, that kind of yeah. like computer animated. Gotcha. That's yeah. what Horton Hears a Who was as well. So yeah, so mm, just live action right. Doctor Zeus. We've got this movie and the Cat in the Hat. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. 
it's it's weird because my introduction to the Grinch was through oddly enough was through the Benedict Cumberbatch iteration of it, which was a remake, I think, or a retake of the Jim Carrey one, done told differently and done differently with CGI. So it was very yeah, interesting well, to watch that first, and then yeah. come back and see this. I mean, there is some differences, and we'll get into it. The Benedict Cumberbatch one is just another adaption of the original yeah. book, again, that came out in 50, 57. So there is some differences in this. I mean, I have seen the Benedict Cumberbatch one a couple of times. You know, it's it's fun and it's fine. But I get I like, watched this movie for being, you know, a Jim Carrey fan first. Yeah, and- me too. I mean, Carrey is very much the the headlining feature in this. He's the... He's the the thing that attracts you to wanting to watch it. I mean, you and I are no strangers to Kerry. We both love him in, in other roles. Um, most notably, uh, The Mask. I loved him in that. And obviously, Dumb and Dumber. Loved him Ace in that. Ventura. Yep, Ace Ventura. Loved him the in that. The list just so, keeps going on and on. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So um, we, you know, we're, we're no strangers to him. We love him for for, his, for all those roles. Well, I'm, I'm forgetting the Riddler in Batman. So um you know we're we're definitely no strangers to him, and that's really what made me want to watch this. When you suggested we do this, I was like, "Yeah, absolutely, I'm on board." It's Jim Carrey. Come on, you know. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you finally got to see that. I didn't realize that you that you hadn't seen it. But in Australia, I mean, you might not even know. Was it released as "How the Grinch Stole Christmas," which was the name of the original book, or was it simply mm-hmm. "The Grinch"? I believe it was just "The Grinch," to my knowledge. Yeah. Right. It definitely was just wrong. the Grinch in the UK. It might it may have changed, you know, with the Benedict Cumberbatch one, simply calling yeah. that one the Grinch. Yeah, I think that's what that's what it is, and that's where the confusion lies. Well, the name of this episode will be How the Grinch Stole Christmas, even though I know it more as the Grinch. Yeah. But that's um that's well, okay. it sounds more de- it sounds more definitive, you know? Yeah, and it's the name of the original original book. book. So again, this yeah. So again, this movie came out. 2000. It initially received mixed reviews from critics, though Carey's performance and makeup have received praise, and it has since garnered a strong cult following. The film spent four weeks as the number one film in the US and grossed 345.8 million worldwide, making it the sixth highest grossing film of 2000. At the time, it also became the second highest grossing holiday film of all time behind Home Alone, which came out in 1990, until both film. films were surpassed in 2018 by the third film adaption of the story. It won the Academy Award for Best Makeup, being nominated for Best Art Direction and Best Costume Design. So there you go. And of course, yes, Home Alone. Absolute classic. Yeah. I mean, do you know what blows me away about this film the most? The fact that Ron Howard directed it, I just could not believe that. I was like, wow, this is a Ron Howard movie? See, I mean, he's not really usually really associated with these sorts of films. He does, he tends to do more serious sort of um, films or, you know, more adult sort of films uh, or action adventure. This was really a departure for him. It was into fantasy and stuff like that, yeah. into, into fiction. And I think previously in the 80s, he did direct Splash with Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah, John Candy. There's a mermaid mm. in that movie. Yeah. Cocoon, I the mean, first Cocoon movie, you know, Aliens, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. See, but And this is obviously 2000, but you're right. Like, yeah. he has done more, more serious films. But if you go back, I mean, he started on Happy Days. He was an actor there, Richie Cunningham, in 1973. Right. 
George Lucas' right. first movie, American Graffiti. What else did he do? I mean, as an actor, he played the second lead in a John Wayne movie, which ended up being John Wayne's final film, but then going on to directing. Yeah, he's done he's done a lot. But this movie yeah. does have a lot of class, not just directed by Ron Howard. It is narrated by Sir Anthony Hopkins. That's pretty good. That's like top. You don't get any better than that. That's top billing right there. It doesn't get any better than that. That's epic. But let's let's talk the Grinch. More specifically, Jim Carrey as the Grinch, oh, a yeah. bad-tempered, devious, green-furred creature who despises Christmas and the Who's of Whoville. But mm. did you know, before Carrey was cast as the Grinch, Jack Nicholson and Eddie Murphy were both considered? You know what? I could see Nicholson with that big smile. Yeah, but this is one of those, yeah, because we've all seen the Joker or him as yeah, yeah. Joker in, in Batman. But That's, this is one of those films where when they've cast it, you can't imagine anybody else playing that role. Like you're talking about, you know, the the smile. Kerry actually contorts his face muscles to get the Grinch's sinister grin. It isn't a prosthetic. That is him. That's incredible. I mean, I know what you're talking about. I've actually seen the videos online of him doing it. Like he's in, he's doing press for the movie, like press junkets, and he's he does the face right there and then, and everyone's like, oh wow, so it wasn't prosthetics. Well, I mean, he was wearing prosthetics, but that that like that rictus, that grin, well, that's all him. He's wearing makeup, yeah, and then he's contorting his face muscles. It really is impressive and sinister. So again, like you know, with assistance from what you know, makeup, whatever. They, they could have achieved that with another actor, whereas Carey yeah. can just do it. Yeah. And that happened with The Mask in 1994. They found Big that time. having him being able to move his face the way that he can... Contortion, yeah. ...saved them a lot of money on VFX. Oh, yeah. That's probably half the reason why they gave him the role when he accepted it. You know, I've said that I, I've watched this movie so many times, and it wasn't until doing prep for this, and there's one bit of trivia in particular of that. How did I miss that? Carrie's accent is based off Sean Connery. Really? So that makes think sense, back actually. to the movie. The Grinch sounds like a Sean Connery impression, and I never got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I never yeah. got that's what Carrie was doing. Man, I totally want to rewatch it again now, just so I can, with, with that firmly in mind. Wow. Oh man, like I, I have to rewatch it now, just just with that firmly in mind, so I can sort of picture Connery doing it. That's awesome. I mean, again, this movie was my introduction to the Grinch. So he just sounds like the Grinch, but hearing that, yeah, no, he absolutely sounds like Sean Connery. <laughs> That's brilliant. That is actually really good. The more I think about it, the more that sounds awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's cool. <laughs> Bar humbug. I hate Christmas. That's great. <laughs> it is. It's absolutely uh, Sean Connery. So oh, playing like a cantankerous, cranky old man. I love it. <laughs> yes. Well, that is the Grinch. Uh, playing yeah. Cindy Lou Who, uh, we have Taylor Momsen. That's right. That name is. I, I was trying to work out where I'd heard that name before because it's. I've, it's. It's like ubiquitous. It's everywhere now. But back then, she was just a little girl. But now I hear about that name everywhere. I'm like Taylor Momsen. Right. Okay. Right. I hear about I... her a lot. Yeah, right. I, I don't really recognize the name. I mean, do you know where or? No, I, I, I'm trying to recall where. I, I, I It was in a magazine. I don't know. It was like a music magazine or pop right. culture magazine or something, but the name kept popping up. And I was like, who is this Taylor Momsen person? 
then I see her name in the movie in the Grinch. I'm like, oh, okay, obviously it's her. There we go. Slight change to this character. In the original story and TV special, she's no more than two, but they've aged up a little bit here. She's six. Mm. Which I guess, you know, it makes it easier for the two of them, Grinch and Cindy Lou, to have a conversation if she's not yeah, two. Interaction, yeah. Jeffrey Tambor, always good value. He's playing yeah. Mayor Augustus, May who? Whoville's arrogant and judgmental mayor. And then there's a rivalry going on. Yeah, there's, and there's that rivalry between him and the Grinch, and they both liked Martha May, Hoovier, you know, when they were in school and they're younger, and yeah. then as adults, bit of friction there. We've got Bill Irwin as Louie Lulu, Cindy's father. I mean, mm. it's hard to recognise some of these actors under the prosthetics yeah, the with the nose and everything else. Yeah. You know, they purposely didn't go too heavy on... Christine Baranowski, who plays Martha May Hoovier, because right, they wanted yeah. her to appear more attractive. Mm-hmm. So you'd get that both of these characters are in love with her, whereas the rest of the characters, they really did have the turned up. Yeah, and I, I did notice, I did notice with um, some of the, the prosthetics and some of the, the facial um, effects, they go really easy on, on like the kids don't seem to wear as much of it. Like all the children in the movie, they, they have virtually none of that on their face. It's all the adult actors that, have, that wear all that. And yeah, outside of Baranansky, yeah, they're all like they've got it a lot heavier. And we've got Molly Shannon as Betty Lou Who, Cindy's mother. Like Molly Shannon, she's done so many things, and her time on Saturday Night Live. She's in say, that's, a few that's Will Ferrell projects. Right there, that's an old school name, right there. Absolutely. Have you ever seen the US version of Kath and Kim? No, but it's I heard awful. it really sucked. It's I awful. Sucked well, badly. Molly Shannon plays Kath and his oh, kid. Right. They've gone for, they are Linda Blair. So it just, yeah, just it didn't work. It missed yeah. the casting and the point of the US version of, or should I say, it missed Australia. the point of the Australian version altogether. Yeah, I it heard did it didn't work. translate very well at all. Yeah, that's it. Playing Max the dog. It's always funny when you talk about casting of a pet. Kelly. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Kelly plays Max, it's Kelly. Max, the Grinch's pet dog and sole companion. But this is where it gets interesting. Performing the vocals for Max, Frank Welker, Scooby-Doo. Holy himself. crap. There you go. It's a wonder he didn't do the Scooby voice. <laughs> <laughs> he's an actor. He's got range. Although here yeah. he is playing another dog, but he's got he's got he's got range. He can play he can play more than one dog. You know <laughs> the the TV special, the animated one I was talking about. Welker also voiced Max in or did the the sound effects of Max for that. Here's what I want to know: Ron Ron Howard cast his daughter uh, Bryce Dallas Howard in the movie. Who did she play? I was trying to I was trying to pick her. I was trying to spot her the whole movie. I was like, where's Bryce Dallas? Yeah, it's it's not. It's not just her, it's other family members as well. I mean, she's credited yeah. as surprised who. And obviously she's gone on to be an actor, director, and a director she's in her own right. a yeah. lot of Star Wars. But there's a few in here. There's Rance Howard as a elderly timekeeper. In fact, from memory, Rance Howard, although is a Howard, isn't related to Ron Howard. But there's uh, other okay. family members in here. There's Jeremy Howard, a Drew Lou Who, one of the mischievous sons of Louie and Betty and brother of Cindy. Clint Howard, 
who is an actor in his own right, but does mm-hmm. appear in pretty much every Ron Howard directed movie. Yeah. He's playing yeah. Hubris, the mayor's uh, aide and servant. Uh, nice. I always thought it was kind of cool that he, he cast his family members in, in some of his films. Well, especially doing something like this, and as you've already pointed out, this is quite different from from this movie onwards. Like Ron Howard's career, it's a lot more like he does adult movies, not porn, obviously, but he does more adult oriented movies. You know, you know what I'm yeah. trying to say. He's doing grown yeah. movies. That's a way to save your way to save your ass. <laughs> that's what he's doing there. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it's got a great cast, but we need to talk about the costumes. And, and oh yeah. And the town, Whoville, looks incredible. Like, it really does look Mm. like a a lived-in place. But according to Rick Baker, the prosthetic makeup Jim Carrey wore took about two hours to apply and one hour to remove. Jim Carrey revealed in the Graham Norton show that he felt so confined and uncomfortable in the latex skin that he sought counselling from a CIA agent who taught him torture resistance techniques. Wow. Wow. Really? That's commitment. (laughs) I mean, was that that just a bit that he was doing or was he generally, you know, having a hard time of it? I heard somewhere along the line that he he didn't like it at all. He really despised, you know, filming the Grinch for those reasons because the the suit and the prosthetics were so uncomfortable when he couldn't breathe with the nose on and everything like that. I heard that he really disliked it, but I had no idea that he had to seek out counselling. Wow. I mean, again, was it a bit or was part of it true, part of it exaggeration? Yeah, you never know. You never know if it's bullshit. He said it on a talk show, but according to Carey, he became a Zen master while sitting in the makeup chair. It's got to be said, though, because you can look back at a film from 2000 or the 90s, 80s, and just think they wouldn't make it like that today. You know, health and safety and whatever else and and the advancements in technology. But yeah, they wouldn't need to. Although you've got a green, furry Jim Carrey, it just, it looks so real. Like, I mean, it looks fake. It looks fake, but real. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it, it, yeah, yeah. it looks I mean, like it could be like a, like him on stage, like performing yeah. this live in the theater. There's a yeah, really gotcha, gotcha. high end quality to it. You can tell that it's him behind behind the, uh, the makeup. You, you know that he's the one acting the role. So it sounds like he had a hard go of it, but. The, the performance like speaks for itself. Like it's it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. But I'm sure with he's... the with the actual costume though, Jim Carrey's yellow contact lenses were so uncomfortable. Oh, it gets worse that he wasn't able to wear them at times during filming. Some shots of his eyes were coloured in post production. If you're wondering what they used for the the hair on his suit, mm. yak hair, which was dyed green. Wow. Oh well, well I'm pretty sure go. for all, I'm pretty sure his big fat payday would would compensate nicely for all his emotional pain and suffering playing the role. And it really is fantastic. Like he's, he's made a real, you know, him, Ron Howard, everybody involved has made a really good film here. Mm. Now there is a comparison to the book. He was not green, like everything else in the book. He was black and white, and some red and pink splotches. But wow. the uh, producer and director, Ron Howard wanted this movie to be an adaption of the 1966 TV special, which is the looks oh, that we yeah. all know the Grinch to, to have. Well, it makes sense. And uh, I mean, green and Grinch are just synonymous now. Everyone knows him as a, as a big green 
grouchy guy. Yeah, I mean it's it. it's it's transcended too because uh, into pop culture. Uh, one of my favorite heavy metal bands, Metallica, um, lead singer and, and and rhythm guitarist James Fe- James Hetfield has a guitar that he called nicknames the Grinch, and it's got green flames going all up its black body, and he called ah, it the Grinch. That and is um, very yeah, cool. he had that guitar made for him, and he right. named it the Grinch. I mean, again, it's very it's very popular. So I've not picked a niche Christmas movie to review. Like everybody knows knows the Grinch, and more than anything, you finally seen this movie. So it it was definitely yeah. No, I've seen both. Pick. I've seen I've seen the animated one, and I've seen the live action one, and they they they're both really good. They both have their strong points. You know, they both stand up and and both hold up really well. Maybe one day we could go back, not for the podcast, but just for fun, and watch the original TV special from the sixties, just out of curiosity shits and giggles yeah now the tone this is a pg kids movie but Mm. like most kids movies there's some adult jokes and there's one in particular Mm. i want to talk about in the scene where baby grinch is blown to whoville apparently to be born he sees the who's partying throwing their house keys in a bowl there you go this PG joke was added for adult viewers. Um, some of the Who's are swingers. So there you go. In this kids go. movie. <laughs> a swinger some adult humor. Yeah, there wow. we go. There we go. Well, actually, that's kind of in keeping with the origins of the book. I mean, let's. Uh, the, you said the book was published in, what, the 60s? Uh, 50s. 50s. So late 50s, very early 60s. There was uh, it was a very liberated time, you know, for for sexuality, for experimentation, for social attitudes, and all those sorts of things. So that kind of tracks with that sort of free, sort of love, sort of hippie vibe. That I, 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 I get, thing. I get what you're saying, but that's not what Doctor yeah. Zeus was doing in 1957. The no, but it seems of, like a all of his, all of his books, you know, whether it's Cat in the Hat. Two eggs in ham, yeah. the educational. What's happening here? This is got this is more to do with a PG kids movie coming out in 2000 than it has with, with Dr. Zeus or the swinging 60s or 50s or anything else. It was just it's the thing that still happens today. You'll get some adult jokes and yeah, it's, it's true. to entertain I mean, adults at, who are taking their kids to the movies. I mean, look at Shrek, you know, Lord Farquaad. That went right over kids' heads, but adults Absolutely. were like, ha-ha, fuck wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got it. Mm. <laughs> yep, got it. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's it's been there for, for a long time. Okay, let's talk about the, the special effects. The Whoville set was built mostly on the back lot of Universal Studios behind the Bates Motel, which is fun in itself. You've got the, oh, wow. the motel from Psycho, and then you've got Whoville. During a break in filming, Jim Carrey surprised and scared tourists on the Universal Backlot Tour by running out of the hotel, wearing a dress and brandishing a knife. Nobody recognized him, and the tour guide at Universal Studios will tell you the story when you pass the hotel on the Backlot cool. Tour. So the, the story's become the thing of legend, but just that's that's hilarious. Just, that's great. <laughs> hilarious. There are 40,000 computer-generated trees in the opening shot sequence alone. Oh, wow. Holy crap. That is a lot. And approximately 600 
visual effects were used in this movie, totaling 43 minutes of screen time. Wow. I was going to say, you probably, you probably had this stat ready at the ready and on hand, but what was the film's budget? The film's budget? I can tell you the budget of this movie, I am slightly stalling, $123 million. And the box wow. office, like I said earlier, $345.8 million. Yeah, so it obviously made back, more than made back its bank. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this was an absolute juggernaut. And then when they did the Cumberbatch movie, that made more than this movie did. Actually, so I remember, very profitable. Yeah, and I remember the marketing for this was huge. I remember everyone was getting in on it. I'm pretty sure McDonald's, I'm pretty sure like other franchises and chains, like everyone was riding the coattails of the merchandising arm of this movie. Like you say, it was a juggernaut. I do miss that. I do miss the McDonald's times. And they still do it now, but not necessarily with big movies. They'll do like, I don't know, like TV times, that kind of thing. Usually, Whereas it used to be like, it's usually Disney stuff. It was massive. Like when we were growing up, it was absolutely massive. Or oh, actually, oh, yeah. worth, worth noting. So the year this came out, right? It was the highest yep. grossing film of the year, which was the mm. second time that had happened for Jim Carrey. The first time was in 1995, Batman Forever. Mm. And that was a that was a merchandising juggernaut in and of itself as well. Oh, absolutely. Talking about McDonald's, the collectible yep. glass cups. I oh, had one amazing. of those too. Amazing. I had one. They were the bomb. They, were, they still are the bomb to this day. Yeah. And whenever I go to collect affairs, there they are. And I think, shall I? And I don't. Next time I will. I wonder how up. much they're. I wonder, I wonder how much they're going for. How much are people not trying a lot. to sell them? Not a lot. Oh, okay, about five dollars or something. Like not a lot oh. at all. So I think I'll be adding at least one to my. Get cupboard. the Jim Carrey one, man. <laughs> yeah, Get the yeah. I'd be happy with any of them, to be honest. the The composer on this film, James Horner, he's up there with yes. being one of the composers that we have he's talked about. Yes, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of his. Um, mm. You know, unfortunately, you know, it passed away a few years ago, but his body of work is just incredible. And again, like his name has come up so many times. Like I'm just looking at the list here. He won two Academy Awards for Titanic in 1997, for which he composed the best-selling orchestral film soundtrack of all time. He also wrote the score for the highest grossing film of all time, Avatar. And then looking at other films that he's worked on, Aliens, Field of Dreams, Apollo 13, Braveheart, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, Willow, The Land Before Time, The Rocketeer, Jumanji, The Mask of Zorro, The Cratty Kid, The Jackie Chan remake in 2010, The Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield wow. in 2012. Wow. the resume. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And the soundtrack that was released for this film features a collection of music performed by several artists, including Buster Rhymes, Faye Phil, Smash Mouth, NSYNC. It was 2000. It's what they were still doing then. You'd have music from and inspired by. I was always it a big collector like a, of soundtracks. And it reads like a who's who. It really does. But more often than not, you'd buy a soundtrack to a movie you enjoyed. And it's like, I don't remember this song being in the movie at all. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah, they don't use it. From and you're like, and inspired you... by. Yeah, inspired by. That's always the way. There we go. Yeah. But um, it's, it's what they did more so back then, not so much now. 
That's it. Um, as soon as I saw James Horner's name come up in the credits, I'm like, ah, no wonder Luke wants me to watch this movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, James Horner, what a what it's a good. collection of soundtracks this guy's put together. It's funny because the movie has uh, a Tim Burton kind of vibe to it in parts. Um, it, it does have this Burton-esque and Elfman-esque kind of thing going on in parts, even though it's a Ron Howard film scored by Horner. Do you know what? It, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's like a Tim Burton film shot in the daytime. Yeah. <laughs> That's, let's it's, it's, uh, it, let's yeah, go. Because I made that comment when watching. I was like, wow, okay. It, it, yeah, you can see how it would work. So again, hearing that you watched this for the first time has really blown my mind, I've got to be honest. So I'm really curious if you're going to rate this movie out of five. I'm coming in at a four. Um, I, I thought it was an enjoyable enjoyable watch. Um, I, I came away from that movie going, yeah, you know what? That was that was better than I thought it would be. The I For some reason, I thought the live action wouldn't be as good as the animated, but it holds up just as good, if not better. And I think... A lot of that is largely in part to carry. He really is the thing that that that, that pulls this thing along. Uh, but you know, that's not to take away from any other performances by other actors. I mean, Jeffrey Tambor, come on, he was great. But um, yeah, no, it, it's a lot of fun, an enjoyable romp, and I think a four, four is a, is a very fair and, and decent score for that. Yeah, wow, I'm generally surprised you've come in as high as that. I'm also going to come in with a four as well. This is a film that I've always enjoyed from that first viewing. And now, I mean, what is it, 23 years later? And obviously I'm a lot older than I was when I first watched it, but can just still appreciate what I liked about it all those years ago. The performance by Jim Carrey, I mean, it wouldn't be the same movie without it, without him. Like he really does make the movie. And just the fact that they built the sets. You know, we talked about that when we reviewed yeah. the Flintstones from 94. They built Bedrock, and it adds yeah. so much character. You're mentioning Tim Burton. The miniatures used to build Batman, Gotham yeah. City, 1989. Incredible. It just feels more lived in and real. Yeah, this Authentic film, is the right word. Yeah, yeah. this film, it's, it's so much fun, and... For me, it is better than the Benedict Cumberbatch film, but I appreciate that maybe for modern audiences, that's more what they want, like the Pixar generation. You know, they want, yeah. you know, well, you, whether you, you it's nailed it. Toy Story, Shrek, you know, with DreamWorks, that's what they want their movies to look like. But for me, it's going back and just watching this lived-in world and just Jim Carrey's The Grinch, perfection. Couldn't agree more, man. You totally nailed it. Took the words right out of my mouth. Was that separate episode all about how the Grinch stole Christmas? If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Um, always a pleasure and never a chore. Nice. As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. <laughs>